Hello, everyone, and welcome to the most star-studded event in in Edgeguard history. It's it's the second annual Edgies, the the Edgeguard Awards. Um, I am your fanfare your host. plays. Do, 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 do. Sure, background. yeah. Listen, you can't speak until I introduce you, Jordan. That's part of show business. <laughs> well, it's kind of a you know sort of unspoken rule. I know you're n- maybe not as familiar with show business as I am. Subverting but, expectations. Uh, my name is Blake. Uh, I am I'm your host for the evening, and my my uh, lovely co-host and good friend is uh, Jordan over there, uh, speaking out of turn, but still a lovely co-host. <laughs> um, if you're if you're new to the podcast, um, welcome to the Edgies. This is our uh, annual award show that's in August because that's when we put out the first episodes of the podcast. Exactly, and so that's when we had our one year special, which we were like, "Oh shit, we need to do a one year special. What should we do? An award show." And, and it was did. a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun. I felt like it was one of our most successful episodes. So yeah, a year absolutely. has passed. We were like, "Let's do it again." Got to cash in. On all the developers that didn't see us the first time we played their game and <laughs> talked about it and hopefully maybe get them the second time <laughs> yeah it's um, funny you said uh you know, jokingly said most star-studded event and you know really it's not even the most star-studded of edgeguard episodes because we sometimes have guests. interview guests <laughs> well it's the most uh stars in my heart definitely the most game filled that's true it has the most content of sure. any of any sure. edge guard episode that's for sure yeah so so if you weren't here for last year's edgies um basically we're going back over all the games that we played in the last year literally all of them it's a lot yes it's like i don't know 52 60, 50, i guess 52 oh sure i mean sure, if weeks we in a year by, we probably skipped a week a so 50 or 51 yeah 50 or so um but anyway and we've um we've created some categories uh, last year we had some fun goofy categories and uh, this year is the same yeah uh, well new different yeah, goofy new, categories yeah I don't uh, we don't have a single uh, carryover really other than there's one there's some that are kind of analogous but I think these yeah. are all pretty much yeah because um, the, the idea is that we we form the categories in response to the games we played so yeah. we, we want sort of trends that yeah trends uh, which emerge both from uh, our um, particular taste and idiosyncratic tastes and the, <laughs> um, and just, you know, trends in indie gaming for the year. And uh, also things that we just think are funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, are we, are we pretty much ready to go? Uh, yeah. Jordan, did we want to, did we want to announce all of the categories in advance or just go one by one as we, as we do them? Um, we can, let's do it. Uh, so first of all, we have, uh, lo-fi chill game to relax slash study to uh, <laughs> uh we have oh you can read the next one yeah we'll rotate uh we have uh least game uh in parentheses best use of games for non-game ends uh then we have best use of old school aesthetic and then a uh, very good one uh most wholesome mm-hmm. and then we have most physics shenaniganery <laughs> is that a word we may never know I don't think so, but that's part of the fun is that it's shenaniganery and it's shenaniganerous. It is. It is. <laughs> and then the last one is juiciest game. Yeah. So we don't have the sort of last year we had like a, a most innovative category that was kind of our uh, best picture stand in. We kind of, yeah. 
we decided not to really go for that this year and instead um just opted we have a few like uh game shout outs for games that didn't fit into our categories that we'll talk about at the end each of us have a few um but anyway in, in without part, that I, I do think that that is because um there just was a lot of i mean the the there wouldn't be any obvious contenders for that category this year i just felt sure. that we had maybe this is more of an impression of just having like knowing indie gaming much better now but i just feel like we have a this year an even broader like span of things people have tried to do with games that we've looked oh, at. Oh, sure. So it's it would almost be redundant to have a category for like most innovative because there's so much stuff we played that was like innovative in different ways. So sure. I could I could agree with that. Yeah. Um but anyway without a further ado, let's well, get into w- one other procedural oh, thing to explain. Okay. Is further ado. One one further ado. Uh so last year we um we had decided the winner in advance. This year uh, you're actually going to witness us uh spell it out on on recording because we realize that the most fun part is uh, us debating what uh what makes uh, the game the winner so we've we have a short list for each category three games uh and we'll be deciding collectively on air uh which one wins the award yep last year we realized we were kind of basically rehashing an argument we already had yeah. uh it basically recounting it to to you the yes. listeners do you so remember when we it. said this thing <laughs> Yes. So this time we're saying, fuck it. We're doing it live. Uh, we are fucking it and doing it live. Oh, God. <laughs> Bracing, Jordan. All right. Number one. You ready? I'm ready. Lo-fi chill game to relax studied to. Uh, would you like to read off the uh, the contenders yes. for and this the, category? The nominees are Kyoto <laughs> Red Gates. It's Kyoto's Red Gates. Kyoto's I think, I think Red the full Gates. name of the game was like Explore, Explore Kyoto's, Kyoto's Red Gates. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, in Unreal Engine. I, th- I don't know mm-hmm. if that was in the title itself, but. but. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Islanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lo-Fi Ping Pong. Yep. So uh, the idea for this category was, I mean, at first it was just that we played a few games that kind of like directly borrowed the, the lo-fi aesthetic or lo-fi music of the sort of um, kind of notorious uh, lo-fi chill beats to relax study to uh youtube yeah, streaming genre. thing um uh but we also thought this would be a good uh time to actually just like call out games that were genuinely just uh relaxing um so islanders is is a game that i think was just like you know mellow chill enjoyable um yeah nice ocean so- sounds yeah, so that's what so that's why that's here. Do we want to do we want to talk about sort of a, a brief uh, reminder for each game of what the game was? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, just a brief one. Um, yeah, so Islanders is all about uh, trying to maximize your points by fitting um, buildings. It's like a city builder, uh, but mm-hmm. it's 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 but minim- super stripped down, super stripped down and, and laid back, um, and it has a very like mild cartoony visual style that mm. I would describe as lo-fi chill. Uh, so <laughs> that's why, it, that's why it's here. Um, and then uh, the last game on there, you know, obvious inclusion, lo-fi ping pong, um, mm-hmm. which was a, is basically a combination of a ping pong game with um, sort of like a guitar hero rhythm game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're supposed to be like 
ponging to the to the rhythm of the the song and the, the lo-fi I, I, chill beats yes many of the beats i think would fall under the lo-fi chill category yeah and the sort of uh visual aesthetic it was like a pixel aesthetic but it was kind of like using the the colors and and mood of kind of like um not pastel but kind of like muted colors um but anyway so so what did we uh how, where do we want to start here with this one um well i mean maybe we'll just make a make a case f- uh for it um so i think that was maybe actually the first thing for this one is we need to, we need to decide on an interpretation of the category because mm. um how seriously do we take the relaxed study to part because I would say that my <laughs> that if our emphasis is on the first half of the category, I have a different choice than if our emphasis is on the hmm. second half of the category. That's a good question. Because like <laughs> you could you could relax study to uh, either you know the Kyoto's Red Gates or Islanders. Lo-fi ping pong was distinctly unrelaxing. Uh, yes, v- it, yes. It just had the music and sort of the lo-fi aesthetic. That's a good question. Uh, what would your what would your inclination be? Um, I think not to not take relaxed study too too seriously because who can okay. play a game and study at the same time? Yeah, that's that would I would I would say that would. That's so the way I, I would, would go say we to. should emphasize the lo-fi chill. Okay, uh, part. Um, um, and for that, uh, I'll I'll make my case for Islanders, um, uh-uh. which is maybe a little bit of a an unexpected winner for this category. But for me, mm-hmm. the Kyoto Red Gates and lo-fi ping pong, uh, and this is a little subjective, I admit it, had. Mm. Um, uh, like some anti chill properties, for example, <laughs> because I get easily, uh, um, like, uh, nauseated when I, mm. I play video games. For some reason, Kyoto's Red Gates made me a little bit dizzy. It's hard to be chill mm-hmm. when you're dizzy. And then Lo Fi Ping Pong, I remember we talked about this at the time, but um, it was really unforgiving when it came to uh, yeah. the beat counts. Um, mm-hmm. So it was rather than being um, strictly chill, more often you were kind of like on the edge of your seat, being really careful to like to like hit every uh, you know every every note. Sure. Yeah, I would say I I, I largely agree. I think Islanders is um, sort of built in a way to sort of be like thoughtfully chill. Like yeah. as much as we just said that the relaxed study two part, we're not going to take that seriously. I could genuinely <laughs> see myself. In, in college when I was like really in the thick of some of my tougher classes and I'd have these assignments that I'd be working on for like four hours at a time. Uh, sometimes I would uh, try and find little games to like, okay, every time I complete a problem on this homework, I'm going to like go over here and play a round of, uh, I think desert golf was one that I would do a lot. And Islanders would fit really snugly into that. Cause it's just kind of like sure, relaxing, yeah. recentering still a little yeah. bit of like thoughtfulness and strategy going to where you're placing your, your buildings um, but I, I would agree with that. I do want to say, uh, Kyoto's red gates, uh, does, uh, help me live my, uh, indie boy fantasy of, uh, <laughs> taking a film camera to, uh, an idyllic place in Japan when there are no other tourists and take, uh, artsy photos with, uh, some nice lens glare, lens glare on my, uh, used vintage camera that I found in my parents' basement. <laughs> uh, you know, it sort of lets me fulfill that fantasy. And for that, I'll be forever grateful. Uh, um, that's, I mean, give credit <laughs> where credit is due. Do you, what else <laughs> but, can uh, fulfill that fantasy? It is, you know, you know, very specific fantasy fulfillment there that, you know, listen, it, it man, really does. Sometimes you just want to be an indie kid. Uh, <laughs> 
but I, I will say uh, Islanders was probably the game I enjoyed the most uh, playing and the most I would, you know, I've played since yeah. uh, recording the episode. So I would say, uh, you know, if, yeah, if you the, are in agreement, Islanders well, can take I, it. I do, I, I do think it should take it. One final thought I just wanted to say in support sure. of it was I, I almost feel like Islanders is a game that takes a kind of generic familiar game genre which is a city mm. builder and like uh-huh. lo-fi chills it up. Right. It like, oh, okay. it like strips it down, makes it more minimal, minimalist, uh, redu- and like slows, more it, slows down the pace. So it's more relaxing, you know, I like that. Uh, and then, uh, add some nice ocean sounds instead of angry car honking of Sim city. So. You know, I, I really like that Jordan. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and highlight Islanders <laughs> and, uh, Islanders is our, our winner for, lo-fi chill game to relax slash study to wonderful great what a great first winner you know a great one (laughs) um do you want to introduce the next um yes category for the folks so category number two is least game uh which is its (laughs) playful title um but the the sort of more specific what the criteria we're going for here is best use of games for non-traditional game ends Mm -hmm. um so we have uh, three games, uh, one of which is a, um, a repeat uh, nominee. <laughs> Kyoto Red Gates is back. Um, uh, we have Paint Andy, which you remember was, uh, well, yeah. I guess we'll explain the games in a second. And then we had Licorice. Mm. Um, so Kyoto Red Gates, you will remember from our previous award <laughs> ceremony, not but one and a half minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> paint, paint Andy um, was a, it was like a, a paint uh toy almost like paint simulation toy it was about uh-huh. like like being able to experiment with these different uh like ways screen of, and digital effects you're basically yes. drawing with a mouse and manipulating the way you draw with these strange effects that are never explicitly stated what they do you're just kind yeah. of like clicking many a bunch of, of random are, keys many of them are quite ambiguous implicitly too it's like oh absolutely you, like, you play it for an hour and you're still not not sure what many of them do yes um or you're even if you're not sure what specifically it is they're doing you know from sort of like a technical or like almost mathematical True. standpoint uh you can see what the effect is and be like oh man that shit look cool yeah um, yeah and then licorice was a game this was one of the first games we played is since the last year it was like yeah it's the second one we have listed uh since the last edgies so people might be st- stretching to remember this but you were it was sort of a first person exploration thing where you were in this big um like sort of mountainous black inky inky black world. I dis- was what i really distinctly remembered as yeah being. and you were kind of cruising around at high speeds and finding all these strange monolithic structures and uh, sort of geometric shapes in the sky and generating noises and shooting, you know, bright beams of light. And it had a, yeah. it had a very striking look, um, but it was certainly more about sort of uh, an experiential uh, uh, situation rather than any specific gameplay or, or you know, mechanics. Yeah. And it was just a, a really... Um, a really you know interesting and and uh and strange uh piece of software to sort of immerse yourself in for an hour or two um yeah yeah i i that's i think that's a really good way of putting it that it's, it's about like um immersing yourself in uh in yeah a weird software mm-hmm. that's what definitely feels like for me um so for this one i actually you know maybe 
I, hopefully I don't do this for literally every category, but it's another one where uh, I think <laughs> my, my choice, it depends on what you want to emphasize. Because if you mm. want to take it literally, which one succeeds at being the least like a quote unquote game, then, mm. you know, it's got to be Kyoto Red Gates because it's just mm. it's just like a space. Yeah, it's um, presented almost as like a like a photo real simulation. Yeah, and uh, it even frames itself as not not really a game. It's like this is about yeah. exploring a real place, not about. But you know, also, you you could use that criteria to say uh, Paint Andy is the is the least game because it doesn't use uh, it doesn't borrow its control scheme for it's like yeah. such a weird off the wall thing. Yeah. But also, you could argue that Paint Andy <laughs> is the most game of the least games <laughs> because it's perhaps the most like playful and that it's like. Yeah. meant to be like fun and about experimentation yeah. well so I, this this reminds me of something i wanted to say for this category is that uh we do not edgeguard does not endorse uh no. the the game gamer bro discourse of this is not a real game uh <laughs> yeah so <laughs> we're poking fun at it to be clear let's let's make that unambiguous uh this is so you cannot cite us in your uh attempt to be opposed to walking simulators that's not listen uh, the, this is this is the citation this is the most the least video space game and the most video game with no space you know least oh yeah because <laughs> we talked about uh-huh, when we had that yes, argument yes. that w- when you remove the space you're sort of delineating it. it's like this the, is not a is, video game yeah this is an all-encompassing term for, for sort of interactive computery thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, new, a new computery thing <laughs> video yeah, games it, it, interactive uh like digital um art object is what is <laughs> implied by video game no interactive space. digital art object <laughs> uh, whereas you video game first implies that it is a, primarily a game but that you see video games are out now everyone's getting in on interactive digital that, art wow, that was a pretty that voice actually really sounded like a infomercial that's my that's my Casey Kasem voice from uh, American Top 40s in the 60s and 70s that my grandma used to play. Oh, there you go. Nice. Hi, I'm Casey Kasem, and this is American Top 40. I would prefer if you use that for the remainder of the episode. I Uh, would, (laughs) but I feel like it would be not fun to listen to, (laughs) so I'm not going to. Um, Anyway, so do you have an argument for uh, a game you would like to to put forth? Um, uh, so this one is a little harder for me, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think I would lean towards uh, licorice because mm. when playing it, I remember just being really like kind of like uh, um, transfixed by the strange world I was inhabiting. So that's my initial sure. initial sense. What's Let's hear yours, though. Yeah, I mean, so probably my, if we are going just by, like, preference, I would say, like, uh, Paint Andy, I had a lot of fun with. I kind of wanted it to get mentioned here because I had so much fun with it. Mm -hmm. Also, the fact that I had fun with it is kind of, like, (laughs) makes it more like a game. It felt a little more playful, and it it had a lot in common with Licorice and that neither game explained to you what your inputs were doing. And in many cases, it was unclear, and that was kind of where oh, yeah. the enjoyment and the lack of gameness came from, is that it's like, oh, I, I don't really... Many games have kind of become about um, 
internalizing mechanics and using your like sort of learning mechanics and building yourself as a player, building your knowledge and skill in order to like progress through this game. That's, that's like a, a, a very yeah, yeah. like popular design ethos at the moment. And both of these kind of like reject that and say like, listen, man, I'm not even going to tell you what the shit you're doing is actually doing. It's all about you sort of trying to, uh, intuit, uh, by interacting with the game. Um, so I do want to say that I, I really did enjoy Paint Andy, but I think that Licorice maybe fits the um, the the criteria more, and that it just it felt so like otherworldly, and like it was using its interactivity um, to be something that wasn't explicitly a game, uh, but was still uh, something that couldn't be conveyed in another medium, right? Because like, yeah. what else? can you immerse yourself in this weird space and be interacting with things? Like, I feel like the closest thing you could even do would have to be some sort of like a uh, uh, real life interactive art museum or, or something like that. Or just drink a bunch of Robitussin. Okay. Well, <laughs> listen, Jordan, we do not, we do not condone the use <laughs> of illegal drugs. Well, that's or legal. Le- I know. Or legal drugs for recreational purposes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Jordan. Uh, uh, well, you However, just, you know, you didn't say a good way. You just said, what would be another way? And that okay, is the only well, way I could think of. So this is a, a good and legal and, uh, you know, wholesome way <laughs> and less dangerous. I should hope. Um, yeah, the, I did just want to shout out, um, uh, another thing about Kyoto red gates is I just really like, um, you know, it, the, that that's a great example of, um, of a uh, non-traditional use of game making software specifically that it's just like, you know, this, um, cause I think it's made in unreal engine, right? Mm-hmm. I um, believe so. That, that, you know, these are really powerful tools that can be, you know, I think it just is a sort of exciting idea to think that, you know, the sort of wide, widely available game development tools can be used for all sorts of weird things like recreating mm. spaces or like, I could see you doing some sort of like, um, like educational or academic uh, project with something similar like that. Like oh, absolutely. Creating spaces for, in order to show your students what, yeah. what an important historical space looks like or something like that. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's something that we did talk about in the episode that I, I think is worth mentioning is like um, the sort of approach of uh, verisimilitude uh, that games can take or like an attempt of quote unquote realism of like, Oh, the graphics look so real is something that people can, uh, like I, it's something that a lot of people would cite as like, Oh, this game's so realistic. That makes it good. I feel like you and I would push back against that and be yeah. like, well, not really. I mean, the more you make it like reality, the probably your design is suffering, but then a game like this sort of circles back around and also lets mm-hmm. you experience a real life space in a way that you couldn't in today's modern day, because it's a tourist attraction and there's going to be, you know, hundreds or thousands of people there. People yeah. like, so feasibly, uh, first of all, if you're an American citizen, like getting to Kyoto in Japan to like be there in person is hard and actually like yeah. going through and seeing it without any other people is a big thing. So yeah, I do want to shout that out, but I think, uh, licorice takes it. Do you, do you agree? I think I agree. Huzzah. And the Great. edgy goes to licorice licorice. Um, um, by the way, we aren't uh, shouting out creators because we forgot to put them in our Google Doc before. However, uh, like we did last year, we're going to do a, a, a big ass uh, Twitter thread in the the days after this episode drops. 
Um, and we will make sure to link everybody there. Mm -hmm. So, um, so look out for that. Sorry creators. If we, uh, if you feel, uh, snubbed, I I assure you that we, that we shouted you out, uh, heartily in your, uh, respective episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and with that, do you want to introduce the next category for us? Uh, yes, this is a category that will be very hard for me to decide because I love yeah. all, all three of these games a lot. Um, okay. But it is uh, best use of old school aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, first of all, uh, Crossneak Plus, uh, which is um, the game about forming crosses through um, moving colored tiles. Um, uh, the interlude, which was a game that, uh, involved sitting in a car for 10 minutes, waiting for some sort of like meetup, uh, Mm -hmm. under presumably dubious circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're holding an old Nokia phone, uh, or no, isn't it called something else? Lokia maybe. Yeah. It was like a, a, a a fake Nokia stand in, but yeah. Um, and you can play snake on your phone. Um, but we included that one because it's uh, it had a very PS1 uh, aesthetic to it. Looked mm-hmm. it really looked like a PS1 game. Oh, and then also yeah. Crossnick, we did it because I don't know if this is an exact quote, but we said something to the effect of it has a Y2K ass aesthetic. Well, right. yeah. So um, Max Krieger, the the games developer, has um, yeah. a kind of a Y2K aesthetic has is an actual sort of term to describe the um, the like late 90s early 2000s aesthetic we talk about it a lot in the episode so i don't want to go like all the way deep on it here yeah but yeah y2k aesthetic is kind of what's there and then the last game is uh black room which uh is reaching back a little bit older into um sort of early 90s and 80s uh video game art but Mm -hmm. i think the reason why we included this game is because it just had so much art and used it in such an interesting way so you were kind of uh floating around through these collages of uh of you know kaleidoscopic uh colors and 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 bits of art from a hundred different games and even sound effects if i remember correctly from from many different games and as you were sort of supposed to be descending into this like dream like uh or i i I forget the exact like narrative justification but it was sort of like that your character was or your avatar was supposed to be having these like dreamlike fantasies um I'm, yeah. Do you remember the exact? Yeah. yeah it was. It, it was like the supposed to be. You're like falling asleep, right? And, and oh, this sure. Was the kind of reveries you're having, and so the, the interesting thing there is, it's like, um, it's kind of like doing. Uh, it's using the quote unquote old school aesthetic because it is like the the protagonist's projection of her own memory of these mm-hmm. games. And so it's like, uh, you know, th- these images are floating around in her unconscious as she drifts off to sleep. Yeah, and another thing to mention is a big part of that game was sort of um, uh, that the the avatar was uh, meant to be female, and that a lot of the the art was taken of sort of like female video game characters that were obviously like Chun Li and Street Fighter or something, where they're kind of scantily clad, and yeah, and it was kind of a, a little bit of the 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 theme of the game was like reclaiming uh, some of this uh, art that. Uh, although problematic now, uh, you know, for a little girl um, playing video games, it was nice to have any sort of representation. And so yeah. sort of like re uh, recontextualizing that in, in this in this uh, way. Was, yeah, it was uh, really it, it was cool really about her like um, her like ambivalent relationship to it that it's like 
And I think it also was supposed to be about, yeah, like her now that she's an adult being mm-hmm. like, okay, this is a little ridiculous, but these games were important to me as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, th- yeah. And their, their value isn't gone because, uh, they're problematic or, you know, not that don't do that much for, um, for women, but you know, yeah, um, yeah she still, still wanted to like make something of them. Yeah. So I, I guess I want to, I want to circle back to the interlude because, um, part of the reason I wanted to do this category is to, uh, shout out, uh, something that we sort of, uh, foretold, I think last year, which foretold. was that we saw it, not foretold, we but, saw it in yeah, the stars. We, yeah. We saw it in the stars. I it was, was like, revealed I want to see, me in a dream. Well, when we played paratopic, it's like, yeah, I want to yeah. see more games taking the early 3d aesthetics of, uh, mid nineties computer games and yep. PlayStation one and yep. even dreamcast and, and 64 games. And I, I feel like we did get a lot of those, um, this year, quite a few. And so, um, interlude is sort of our representation of that because yeah. I felt of the of games that. of the games, uh, taking that aesthetic. And I'm specifically talking about it's, it's kind of interesting because cross has like a, a similar time frame aesthetic, but it's a little bit newer and it's different because it's a, it's a 2d game and the aesthetic of cross is much more about sort of UI and, and, yeah, and like early sound internet, even especially. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this game did a really good job. The interlude I'm talking about did a really good job of having sort of, it looked, it has just like the gritty pixelatedness of a PlayStation one game of it. It just like, it reminded me of metal gear solid, uh, in a way that, uh, that few games do. Cause as much as metal gear is like old and kind of looks like shit, it also, the, like between the, the pixely grime, there's an aesthetic <laughs> that is Ew. like pleasing to look at, uh, yeah. and, and art direction that holds up, uh, even, even though the technical limitations extremely do not hold up. Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, one of the things we, we had talked about is like, you know, the default, uh, uh, indie game, um, aesthetic for a while was kind of like SNES era graphics. And it's like, and it's kind of about like, you know, people who grew up on video games now being able to think of that as rather than technological limitation and aesthetic limitation. Mm -hmm. And we were like, wow, it seems like now people are starting to do something similar for PS one. And yeah, yeah, this is the, this is a great, a great example of that. Sure. Um, um, so yeah, this one, it was really hard for me. So I want you to, you to steer the conversation, steer the conversation for like you started off because yeah. I, I, I could make a real case for all three of these. I um, totally could too. This might be one of the most stacked categories we have. Yeah. Um, however, uh, I'm going to make the case for cross sneak baby okay. because I think part of the old school aesthetic is a uh, sort of holistic uh, aesthetic, not just visual. And I feel like the other two games oh, are pretty reliant on visuals where I feel like cross sneak. What really, really sold it for me is not only the music, which is great, but the sound design is so wait, wait, good. Be- Blake being impressed by sound design. I, I know this right? is an utter surprise to me. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, uh, another thing that I think cross does really well is it, it not only has a, a, a time frame, uh, aesthetical feel, I don't, is a th- aesthetical isn't a word, is it? Anyway, it has, it has, uh, it evokes a certain, uh, time frame of games, but also, uh, uh, evokes a sp- games of a specific region, uh, specifically to me, Japan, oh, like this, this yeah. game screams, uh, 1999, uh, Japanese game on your dreamcast. Uh, it just has an 
like everything working in perfect concert. And I think part of that is like just a huge part of the reason why that comes so strongly is that it's a huge part of the game's identity uh, on, on Twitter, especially, uh, especially uh, uh, the, they've been doing Y2K Wednesdays on the cross Twitter account where um, nice. every Wednesday they were, would have a little short thread about um, certain aspects of the sort of Y2K aesthetic that they're uh, that they said sort of um, informs the game uh, at a, at a basic level. And so I think just like the the uh the binding of this game to its aesthetic is you you can't break it at all like you couldn't yeah. have this game with another aesthetic it would just not be work the game, at all yeah right? whereas like it's a shitty argument to make but you could well i, I okay, think you, so, so black room I, I think could fit in that but out here i'll let you say well something. i was gonna say i think the black room actually it would well the the sort of like overworld part could work mm-hmm. in a different aesthetic, but I mean, just like thematically, uh, sure. you know, a game about your memory of old games, like yes, it, it would have to have old games to work. But but for mm-hmm. the the like the overworld part, yeah, I take your point. Interlude, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it could. Um, uh, it doesn't hinge on the old aesthetic uh, mm-hmm. in in a key way. Although something to shout out for sound design for Interlude, um, mm-hmm. and actually Black Room had a. It also had. Um, the music was like a like uh sure periodized too but interlude mm-hmm. um i remember us being impressed with the nokia sounds uh yeah but uh you know maybe the, the not, ringtones the ringtones were very on point i i think mm-hmm. yeah i think you're bringing me around to cross sneak i was leaning towards interlude the, the way i had sort of split it in my mind is i felt like um of the three cross was the one that i i continue to play so it's best mm-hmm. in that sense Black Room mm-hmm. was the one that I felt like was the most like, like realized as an aesthetic object, uh, and okay. then and then Interlude I was kind of leaning towards having the most fitting the the most strict literal definition of the category the best because um, mm. it is like like look PS one in a game yeah but mm-hmm. but you um you're you're bringing me around on on Crossnick because of the 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 way that it uh it aesthetic is it. Um, it uses an old school aesthetic in multiple ways, like sound, sure, image, even uh, even like uh, interactivity. We talked about the the menus, just like interacting mm. with them feels from that period. Yeah, they're kind of kludgy and and a little bit and tough big. to use in a way. Yeah, and and very big on the screen. Um, yeah. Okay. I cool. I've come around. You. This, All right. This is shall the, I shall I highlight a Crossneak Plus? Highlight Crossneak Plus. Best use of an old school aesthetic. Great. Love it. Excellent. Moving on. Um, I am going to introduce our next category, which is most wholesome, uh, which is to say we played uh, a lot of games this year that just kind of felt nice and happy or were (laughs) particularly funny. It's it's kind of weird to be like, oh, we played games that were just like really wholesome and nice. But I mean, I think in the in the realm of video games, uh, sometimes nice wholesome things can be um few and far between especially in sort of the mainstream how many how many mainstream games don't involve uh any uh level of violence, violence. Or, or something even yeah even games that are you know marketed to children like Fortnite is still a game about shooting, shooting. people with yeah se- like semi-realistic guns and, right? and i think like also um something to say i was thinking about this with this category is um you know even when games are cute 
I don't feel mm-hmm. like they're often wholesome. Like a lot of cute games are really mm-hmm. like frenetic and like like almost like like hyper and anxious. Uh, mm. That are cute, you know, like cute characters, but you're like you jumping around, bright, like like over sure. overstimulated, like loud um, uh, activity in the way the game is played. But like these games that we picked, I all feel like are wholesome in in each of theme, narrative, tone, and mood. Like it just really is like wholesome in multiple ways. Sure, um, absolutely. May, one of them is maybe less wholesome in narrative. We'll get to that, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, with that, should we introduce the games? Yeah. You want to do it? Sure. Uh, so first of all, we have a uh, friend gun, which that whole thing I said about, uh, guns is, uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> friend gun is a little different. Uh, you play as a, uh, anthropomorphic bullet, uh, who, uh, picks up. Well, we it, don't actually going... know if you are a bullet, but you are, a, I assume you, you are, you grew up, your mom is a bullet. Your so, mom was you know, a bullet. So you're probably a <laughs> you bullet. You never see yourself. <laughs> you're at least half bullet, but you're much bigger um, than her. And all the people in bullet town. Well, maybe you're just a real big bullet. <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you're returning to your hometown after being away at school or some such. And you have a, 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 a gun. I forget the exact context, but you pick up a gun and you're loading your friends and family into this gun and shooting them at uh, scary. Yeah, they're like evil spirits or something. Spirits floating around in the sky. Uh, but the, the way in which this game was wholesome is that you're kind of like walking around uh talking to all your old friends and people of the village and getting to know them and kind of being confronted with the fact that like hey in order to like quote unquote save the village i have to like shoot uh my bullet comrades at these (laughs) bad guys and you know what is their life versus mine and you know can the the town be saved without them or whatever but it was it was wholesome in that it was um fun and cute and kind of uh uh thematically explored the the idea of like using your friends as weapons in a way that didn't feel like super dark and and yeah uh you know um yeah and part of the the thing so one of the ways i interpret the word wholesome as like especially in like wholesome memes and stuff like that is it seems uh, like something is wholesome when it is being sincerely supportive of another person like, mm, like you're, you're okay. being like, like, like it's, you know, quote unquote pure, but also just like, you know, I genuinely like care about you and want you to succeed like that. Like yeah. something just like okay. over the top, sincere compliment is wholesome. Sure. Um, I like that. And I feel like friend gun, that's the tone of all the people talking to you. They're like, yeah, they're like, oh, how they're are like, you hey, doing? Buddy. I'm so happy to see you, honey. And then, uh-huh. and then even when you, you load them in, they're like, okay, do your best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I like that. And shoot them into space. And they're just like, <laughs> you got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. All right, so our next game was uh, Ufil de Lou, mm-hmm. which uh, was, uh, or Over the Water is the rough uh, translation uh, in English, which was sort of about your little um, character uh, living in the city and feeling sort of, uh, restless and so on we taking a on we exactly taking a little trip <laughs> uh to the river in a in a canoe and just paddling down the river and it had some really nice uh and sort of uh creative use of uh like sort of a comic panel style where you're yeah. moving from panel to panel and uh while although uh very um very difficult to control and uh a bit buggy uh it still had sort of the uh, a wholesome vibe of uh, just 
the thing that I kind of liked about it is it could really fall into this trap of like escapism of like, man, isn't the big city such bullshit? Don't you just, you got to get out in nature, man, to just like disconnect. It didn't, it didn't feel like that. It felt like sometimes you just need a little bit of something different to, to make yourself feel a little better or to get a little perspective. Yeah. So paddle down this river. Why don't you? And then have your roommate pick you up at the end. Yeah, it, it was kind of like wholesome in um in the the oh, it's like wholesome in the, in the sense of like emotionally healthy. I feel like that's another thing that is like funny <laughs> sure. about the concept of wholesome and the way people use it. That it's uh-huh. like you know, like actually thinking about your own emotional needs is like sure we, we really got to shout that out as wholesome. Um, yeah, I, I like, feel like your that's what your mental is. health self care. You know, self care is wholesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. And then finally, uh, Grace Brooksna presents Frog Detect. Oh wait, no, Haunted Island, the Haunted Island, a Frog Detective game, mm-hmm. um, which uh, would have been a front runner in another category that didn't make it, which was uh, most le- needlessly long uh, <laughs> title. Uh, Needless, but, yes, but uh, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not needlessly long, but. Um, Anyway, this was a, a game where you you play as the the frog detective uh, tasked with uh, figuring out what is haunting uh, this island of of anthropomorphic uh, animals, and uh, it's kind of a, a parody of of adventure games and um, just a f- just a fun, very funny, uh, but also just kind of like lovely and nice and very pure. Just in, it just an incredibly pure game. Yeah, Not a, I don't think there was an ounce of cynicism in this entire. Yes, game. that's another thing I think of what of as wholesome is like that. It, it's not just that nobody gets hurt. It's like nobody's uh-huh. it gets emotionally hurt either. Like it's really like yeah. it, there's real like intense positivity, uh, and uh-huh. definitely this game fits the. But not the, a heavy-handed positivity. It just it feels no. sincerely positive and hopeful about. Uh, the things it portrays in a way that feels nothing but wholesome, you know? And, and the other thing that's interesting about it is it imagine it manages to have a intelligible plot e- even while having that mood, which I mean, I know uh-huh. the plot is silly, but it does, sure. you know, like have a problem that uh-huh. requires a solution and then has a twist mm-hmm. and a resolution, um, which yeah. is kind of, and a dance party and a dance party at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. And it still manages to be so like, um, uh positive yeah so sure all right um, do you have a do you have an uh, an argument here a case to make um so for me so i think for this one i kind of want to work backwards so mm. the one that i think um the first one that i think is a no for me is Afil Delu because i don't think of it as um i think of wholesome as more about people together um, mm. as being wholesome. And then this, that one's more about like, um, in the sort sense of a it, singular, yeah, it, it's individual it's journey and, and, uh, yeah. And so I think of that one and it, even in its themes, it's a little bit still kind of like not, um, like the strict interpretation of wholesome. And then it's, that one's more about mm. like, you know, I, I do think the narrative of like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling bummed out and need to go on a river raft is, is a large part of that. So sure. I think that one, um, 
is no. For me, it was between Friend Gun and uh, Haunted Island. Okay. Um, and uh, I think I'm leaning Haunted Island. And my, mm-hmm. my case for that is that it not only is wholesome in its, like, tone and style and content, but it manages to have, like, a wholesome ending to the narrative um, mm. in the sense that it's like, it turns out the ghost was not a ghost, but it was just someone, she was just practicing her dance moves, right? I forget exactly who, which character it was, but. They were they were singing and they were trapped in a cave and the sound was echoing That's out right. of the cave. That's right, they were singing. It was the sound of their practicing their dance move because whatever song they were playing, I think, was yes. what was happening. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you on that one. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Friend Gun, and I, I do think I that you were right Gun. that uh, all the characters were saying wholesome things to you. But in the end, there is a little bit of a dark tinge to the sort of resolution that you've just yeah. expended all of these people who are. Try, you know talking about how much they love you and appreciate you as you fire them uh you weaponize them against the evils of the world do, do you um, remember you remember how it ends right the the text that comes up <laughs> you um, you save the city but at what cost <laughs> yes 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 i think uh if only for that as tongue-in-cheek as it is uh it, it loses some some wholesomeness points <laughs> so i'm i'm more than happy the to very give this objective to, scale of wholesomeness points sure so uh do we give it to the haunted island then i say we do this year's most wholesome game extremely important game uh aesthetic for the year of our lord 2019 hell yeah we need we need wholesomeness (laughs) wholesome games wholesome mitude i don't know uh so taking it this year is uh grace brooksner's uh presents oh god okay grace brooksner presents the Haunted Island, a frog detective. There you go. You got it. A sequel forthcoming, I think, before the end of the year or early next year. Um, I, what's, I forget what that literally cannot uh, wait. Magical. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, Grace has been uh, tweeting about it a lot, and she put out a merch shop, and everything sold out in like 30 minutes, so I didn't get anything. Oh, anyway. shit. Yeah. I didn't hear about yep. that. Yeah, dude, I would totally have a frog detective t-shirt. Absolutely. They all sold out super fast and it was in like the middle of the night because uh, she's an Australian. Oh, right. I'm right. out in Australian time. Anyway, yeah. beside the point, uh, which is our next category. And would you like to introduce it to the people? Yes. Uh, next category is most physics shenaniganery. Um, so yeah. this is a category that's about like uh, games that um, make use of the embrace rather than fear the strange physics rules that sometimes happen in, in game systems it, it's it's games that want to be on uh the subreddit are game physics rather than <laughs> games that don't want to be um so our three games uh, are uh so first the one that kind of inspired it which is spider-man ultimate avenger um the ultimate in uh game in copyright um playing with fire um <laughs> <laughs> but you play as spider-man and the the web slinging mechanic is extremely ragdolly, so you always just go totally limp. And there's like a perfectly straight line between your wrist and the wall that you connect to, and it just like flings you. Um, so very shenaniganerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and the game is all about flinging yourself about from from point to point. Mm-hmm. Um, How to be a tree, which is a game that. Uh, you play as a tree, but 
it quickly is revealed that you're not just a tree in the sense of a, a you know, a n- nature tree, but you're <laughs> a you're a fractal tree, uh, mm-hmm. and you can adjust the shape uh, and like bend of the fractal tree with the left and right arrow keys. And by mm. quickly adjusting your shape, you can kind of fling yourself through the space, and that's how you uh, move through the the world. Um, so yeah, it results in some really strange physics things uh, in that you have to try to figure out how to move this object through the world just by changing its like bend to the left and right and changing how like the angle of its uh, of each um, branch limb. Yeah. Yeah. Branch. It's a game that's uh, as we stated in our episode nearly impossible to describe without uh yeah uh, the, the the listener having seen it so yeah if any of this is, is you're just like what what the hell are you even just talking about just Google look it. up how to be a tree game uh and and even just watching video you'll be like oh i i see yeah it, it, it's a great example of a game that like makes no sense when it's described it to you but if you watch uh-huh. a clip of it for five seconds you're like oh okay oh shit <laughs> yeah. i might not i don't know exactly how they're playing this but, but I, I see get the appeal the idea <laughs> yeah um, and then the last game in this category is Kaiju Super Date Tech, which is a game where you are trying to save the city from Godzilla by building a giant kaiju robot for it to uh, go on a date with. Uh, mm. And you have to scrounge a bunch of parts uh, and attach them to each other. Um, and, you know, the parts never totally fit together and you create a kind of goofy thing that probably falls over a bit. Um, which is what the physics shenaniganery we were we were going for on that is. Yeah, and and part of the part of the reason it was uh, so much about shenanigans is because um, the way you interface is with it isn't that you're just like using the mouse uh, oh, on your right, computer right. to like drag stuff onto it. You're a actual little character in the game, jumping around, attaching stuff to it. Yeah. So you have to be able to traverse your giant mech as you build it, and that sort of ends up making it so that you have things at weird angles and it's goofy looking and you're like putting a hat and some kissy lips and a pair of sunglasses on the top of, uh, I think the part of the goal was to make like the height of your, of your mech made it more dateable. So you're trying to make it, uh, tall without it toppling over as it rolls over the sort of, uh, hills and, and pitfalls that, uh, go Mm -hmm. along the path to the, to the, uh, the Kaiju, um, so yeah, yeah that's the, sort of the kaiju's they, like no uh it's tinder profile said nobody under six meters so <laughs> wow <laughs> swipe left under six meters swipe left <laughs> yeah, under six meters swipe left um uh so yeah I, I mean the other thing to say about this category is just that it's really about games that are trying to be um trying to subvert like your sense of control over uh the 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 physics of the world like these are all games that um you know it would be very hard if not impossible to be a true expert at like um mm. op- operating the controls and that's part of the point um and usually they're they're funny because of it so like, yeah it's about yeah. kind of that slapstick and, humor from uh game physics 
yeah and and furthermore their games that uh are about and lean into the 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 goofiness of simulated physics engines and uh their extremes because uh i mean realistically none of these you're gonna see in real life you're never gonna see a, a massive stories tall robot with lips on it uh tipping over because it's built been built too top heavy because it's you know built while rolling down a hill or you're never gonna see uh, a human uh, body flinging through the sky at a hundred miles an hour, yeah. totally limp and then landing on the ground, you know, un, un, uh, unfazed. Right. Uh, and I think part of the inspiration for this category, we talked about, I think this was during the Spider-Man ultimate Avenger uh, yeah. episode, or it might've been another game that didn't uh, quite make the cut, which was a throwaway game, game of the year edition, uh, which was just about the sort of inherent comedy of, of ragdoll physics and just yeah. the absurdity of watching so uh, like totally uh, uh, beings that normally we associate with like having control and autonomy and sort of um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word to use sort of agency over their limbs yeah. uh, have that all sort of fly out the Taken window. Away. In yeah, a, in a very funny one, way. One of the things that I remember saying, probably it was Spider-Man Ultimate Avenger when I said it, but that uh-huh. uh, that um, that it's uh, the humor is Bergson, Henri Bergson, yep. the philosophers. Uh, yep. Comedy is something mechanical encrusted on the, on the living. Um, and sure. so my subtitle for this uh, category was uh, Physics Shenaniganery or Bergson Laughs at Video Games. So that's <laughs> that's what this is. Uh, but just that like his point is slapstick is funny because you're expecting something to be, you know, like pliable and, and in mm-hmm. control and flexible. And then suddenly it just like stumbles over, uh, like, sure. like a rock. Um, and yeah. these are all games like watching that, the MIT robotics lab yeah, exactly. uh, smacked in the shin with a the, hockey bo- stick the Boston mechanics deer thing, get knocked over and just like struggle yep. so hopelessly and pathetically to get back up. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Uh, um, all right. Do you have an argument to make if you don't? Um, so I, uh, well, you go first this time. I've been going first a lot. So, all right. Mine is going to be how to be a tree because nice. it's, I think it really distilled for me how like fun and ridiculous it was, uh, when it through the pod or through the process of recording our episode, you were describing how, like what is actually happening when my inputs are going in. And I was like, it finally clicked for me. Yeah. And it was, it was very enjoyable for me to have figured out a way to successfully maneuver, uh, the vast majority of the game. If you remember when we uh, played it, it's sort of a game about having a bunch of branching, uh, paths. I mean, fitting into the whole tree theme, theme. Yeah. Had a, having a bunch of branching paths and a, but, and like had something like 16 different endings, um, all being the limbs on a tree. Right. Um, and sort of being able to get, you know, 14 or 15 of the endings without actually fully grasping what is happening when I, with my inputs and then having you sort of explain, okay, so I'm tilting these fractals one way or another, and I'm expanding and contracting the angle or widening and narrowing the angle of the distance between each limb and having that all sort of, uh, finally coalesce after the fact uh, was like, man, what a fun and, and creative way to, uh, in, interact, uh, physically with, uh, a, a video game that was, yeah. uh, it's, I mean, it's kind of, uh, 
uh, quappy, what do they call that? Fumble Corey. I yeah, hate that it term, is. but <laughs> it is, it is, it sort of fits into that, uh, thought, totally but while also fielding totally distinct from, uh, other, uh, other fumble core. Yeah. Games. There is, you know, it, you can comfortably say that it's the only game you've ever played where adjusting the shape of a fractal tree is your, your <laughs> mode of moving through is the your, game world is your mode of locomotion <laughs> of locomotion. Yeah. Like, like so bizarre. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I totally agree. That's my choice for, for the winner for this category. I think that it is, it just like in all aspects feels like the most, um, of these games, it feels like shenanigans, like in the yeah, sense yes. that it's just like, what is happening? And I like mm-hmm. the degree to which it, uh, it like sticks to its guns and that it's like, mm. no, yeah, this is how you move. Uh, and uh-huh. then, and then it, it kind of builds on it. Um, by like giving you different ways of like altering the, the core mechanic. And then also having a narrative that is built around branching tree paths as well. Sure. Uh, oh yeah. I forgot about the, that you get like rocket boosters and shit yeah. as you play that let you do. I, I totally yeah, forgot I guess the rocket like boosters is a the, little bit of a cop out, but the, most of them are like in a certain way they made it kind of fun though, because also it's like the rocket booster sort of amplifies the change in angle. Cause you, it's like, all right, if you want to fly oh, straight up, right, it's it very does. useful. But then if you turn, then At suddenly all, you're like, you like Whoa. spin crazily. It looks yeah. like the failed rocket launches from, you know, every, uh, herbal space, uh, program. space program ever yes, where the rocket shoots up and then <laughs> flips, spins around and hits the ground as hard as <laughs> possible. Um, yeah yeah that's a good point that i was gonna say that the the rocket boosters kind of um could be interpreted as like a you know the, the developers giving in to the player like okay you know it's crazy hard to move we'll give you something but you're sure. right that if you have the slightest angle then it actually like um amplif- <laughs> amplifies the weirdness of your tr- it, it, your tree avatar rather than uh, it kind of weaponizes the fact that you think it's going to make it easier against you because you're like, oh, wow, this is going to be so useful. There's so many times I've wanted to just go straight up that you be like, all right, I'm going to use this a bunch. And then you're like, oh, actually, this is uh, maybe not quite as useful. a bit sideways. Yeah. It and shoots it's, me in the foot a little bit. <laughs> it's funny because, too, you know, the first time you use it, reflexively, you try to use the left right to turn. But you're uh-huh. not turning the thruster; you're turning your the angle of your whole tree. Yeah. So you try yeah. to turn yourself slightly to the left, and instead you spin. Um, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So, how to be a tree winner for most physics shenaniganery? Hell yeah! All right, we're on to our final category, Jordan. How wow. sad. <laughs> how um, sad. How sad. Um, yes. We have our... to stop recording this podcast soon. <laughs> I, w- I thought we would just keep going. Uh, you yeah, know, for forever, overnight, all night, go all night, twenty four you know? hour podcast episode, edge guard, late night, three, weird. three gigabytes. Can't download this on your iTunes. Oh god. <laughs> um. All right. So we have uh, juiciest game, which uh, you know, juice is something that is uh talked about a lot in games, uh, especially in the indie sphere, and uh, honestly, kind of like. Um, I feel like fetishize is maybe too strong of a word, but it's something that I feel like is maybe overvalued in some cases of like, uh, oh, making your game maximally juicy is always the best approach. Yeah. Um, but in these, in this case, you know, uh, we've maybe reached critical mass on the term juice and juiciness <laughs> in, in the year of our Lord 2019. So we've got to get it out of our system and to get it out of our system, we've got to give an award to a game <laughs> So wait, does that mean after we juicy. give this award, we can never use the concept of juice in another episode of Edgeguard ever we, again? 
if we say it, I will delete every episode of the podcast <laughs> we've ever put out and uh, our Twitter account, and I will uh, re- refuse to record. I will delete all um, all traces of my digital identity and go into <laughs> hiding. I will set this podcast on fire as I cross over it. <laughs> Um, anyway, so our, our, our nominees for juiciest games are, uh, Wibbly Witches, mm-hmm. which if you remember pretty recently, uh, was our 100 episode special where Jordan and I played it together in the same room. Whoa. Uh, whoa. Novelty. Go listen to that episode. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, this is a sort of, uh, uh, a couch competitive, uh, one-on-one game where you're you're these little witches hopping around picking up spells and blasting each other and uh it just had a real real solid um use of you know tons of little juicy touches like sort of hit pauses and mm-hmm. and i don't know it just just felt really good looked really good nice game to play uh yeah, very fun it, yeah felt great yeah it, it was very fun it felt great there were just a lot of um uh there were a lot of attacks that felt very tactile like the 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 fireball you know every time that goes off it's just like whoa oh shit oh shit um something about the way that you knock your opponent back with the um the multicolored one i can't remember what it's called was it migraine Um, yes migraine yes migraine where they would where they would go limp on the ground something about that just was super satisfying to land one of those it's just if you hit that even if you didn't kill them it was just like ha ha uh, yeah suck it nerd um <laughs> all right and then our next one is uh uh it could have been a contender for least game maybe make it juicy which was uh less of an actual game and more of a, a sort of interactive presentation aid for yeah. a, a talk that the developers yeah, gave. you say on, more of it was literally that yeah it was literally that <laughs> uh but the it was sort of made by the developers as a, a sort of uh, aid in a talk they gave about um uh, making your action game a little bit juicy, which kind of mirrors something that we, at this point we've talked about talk to death, which is the, um, the, the Vlam beer guy, Jan Willem Neiman giving his talk. Of course, the art of screen shake, ugh, excuse me, the art of screen shake talk that he gave yes. where he started out with this little, uh, 2d platformer with a little character shooting a gun. And then slowly over the course of the, Hawk makes it into a much uh, more uh, satisfying game to play. And so this game kind of mirrors that, but with a, a sort of space invader style, yeah. um, you know, shooting little alien things. And, but the thing that's nice is you're like paging through them and you can actually play it uh, along, which was, which was cool. And, and part of what we did as we were playing, it was trying to figure out which was uh, what uh, tweak was being added with each iteration yeah some of them Um, were very subtle so it was yeah incredibly subtle yeah um and then finally uh the last uh, game in this category is uh, neon boost which was a sort of first person um platforming game about uh wall running and using uh the rocket boost Mm -hmm. uh was kind of like the main yeah rocket jump uh, you shoot your feet get an extra boost in your jump yeah it's kind of built Um, around that yeah so do you have uh, any opening statements? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say a little more about uh, Neon Boost. This, the specific thing that I felt like was juicy about it um, was mm-hmm. the the rocket boost. When you do land one, it just feels really, really good. And um, mm-hmm. something I specifically remember saying was the flick, like uh, the way that you have to um, look down and then look back up, the way you kind of end up flicking your wrist, 
Uh, mm. I remember thinking that felt really good, even though that I also criticized that for being a hard way. It makes it very difficult to navigate your jumps that you have sure. to look down in order to jump. Mm. Um, but I remember the the sort of like way it gets you into like a rhythm where you're flicking your wrist uh, feels kind of sure. Good. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you have a, a front runner that you'd like to make the case for? Um, yeah. So I'm going to argue for Wibbly Witches. Uh, and the reason for that is that I felt like it was the one that had the most, um, it, it, it felt like the juice was coming out of every pore rather than mm-hmm. uh, having a few aspects that were, you know, really satisfying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just like the the movement, the the shooting, the the like combat i just felt and even the 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 sound and the music um Mm -hmm. there was a a really nice like uh uh, a beat to the music that just made you want to you know keep fighting it just felt really good um Mm -hmm. uh and so that's why i i lean towards wibbly witches neon boost i would say it pretty much was the the rocket jump that was the juicy thing um Mm. and make it juicy um you know also strong you know very juicy obviously uh sure but um, I just think Wibbly Witch is. Uh, yeah, the uh, juice sort of serves a different end uh, in Make It Juicy, which it's is to illustrative, be, yeah. To teach you about itself, yeah. Uh, whereas yeah. Wibbly Witches was just about being a, a fun and engaging game to play. And I, yeah, Neon Boost had some 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 pitfall or some some struggles with like certain things being a little bit unintuitive or not quite yeah. feeling. Uh, right. So even though certain things were were juicy, other things didn't really work all the way. So I, I'm gonna have to agree with Wibbly Witches. Um, also, it was just a lot of fun. It was so play. much fun. Yeah, you listen. Really uh, Blake secretly recorded. You may remember uh, the real uh-huh. close fans of the podcast follow us on Twitter. <laughs> the Blake secretly recorded um, some background sound of us playing the game, and as it should be clear, uh, we were. In, very enthusiastic it's just really fun to, <laughs> to play side by side yeah uh, the the one other thing i want to say with this category is um that uh, i feel like juice juiciness is a little bit uh-huh. like the game uh, um a game design equivalent of porn in the sense that it, it can only be identified you know the famous thing that that judge said yeah porn yep. you know i don't know how to define it but i recognize it when i see it uh sure. like juiciness is really hard to like say specifically why this is the one that you think deserves the win, sure. but it's just mm-hmm. like, cause it's about feel it's about what yeah. feels right. So, yeah. uh, so that's why yeah, and my justification for not having a very concrete, uh, sure, rationalization sure. for my winner. Yeah. And I think, I think part of, uh, the reason why, uh, Wibbly witches deserves to win. I mean, like I said, uh, juice has sort of wrapped back around from being a thing that was like, you know, maybe five years ago, people weren't talking about it as as much. And then it was like, all right, your, your action game needs to be more juicy because mm-hmm. it, you need to really sell the action. And now we're sort of wrapping back around to like, okay, so now that we all know about juice, actually you should deploy it more tactically and uh, mm-hmm. only use it where it serves your game and what you're trying to do. Because even an action game that's about feeling good, uh, certain like using too many uh, little touches to try and, to try and make it feel more good can kind of, uh, lose the forest through the trees and have a game that is like incredibly tactile, but maybe isn't that isn't actually what you want, even if your game is an action game. Uh, so I think uh, it serves Wibbly Witches the most 
uh, out of the three games here to um, feel really good and have really satisfying moments that are uh, understated and don't feel like the game tricking you into being satisfied with your own achievements, which yeah. is largely what all games are doing all the time. <laughs> so, uh, or all, all games that are about sort of uh, play and mechanical uh, satisfaction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Anyway, with that, we can, I can go ahead and uh, highlight Wibbly Witches. Takes the edgy. Yep. And then uh, we can we can talk about games that didn't fit into any of our, uh, you know, silly categories, but that we we really enjoyed. So would you like to go? I feel feel like we'll go back and forth each one. I, uh, I sure. We, yeah, I think so we're gonna have at least one overlap. I do, but. too. So, yeah, we basically each made a, a short list of mine has three. I'm not sure if yours did, too, but just games yeah. that we wanted to say. You know, uh, our categories are nonsense, so you, just because you didn't win one of these awards doesn't mean you're not good. Here are the games that we personally <laughs> wanted to give an extra shout-out to. So the first one, sure. this is one I think we both probably picked, which is the Norwood Suite. Um, yep. uh, uh, Cosmo D, uh, just, you know, so, something about his games are so just, like, magical and entrancing. They're oh, just so, so weird. weird. It's like, it always feels like a... A totally realized world, even though that it's it's like totally fantastical and and not just like yeah. fantasy. It's like it's like weird. It's like oh, what's it's the surreal hell and, is going on? And characters speak to you in the weirdest ways, and yeah. they just look weird. I mean, I said this back when we played Off Peak, uh, which uh, was covered in our our previous year, and I think part of the reason this game didn't make the the list this year is we didn't have as many similar. Uh, games of a similar style but i, I said with yeah. off peak that uh this game felt like uh it uh it, it, it cosmo d's games feel like being inside his brain oh like yeah, yeah exploring the that. weird because uh you know uh cosmo's clearly a musician so music is in every corner of the game and you're seeing all these weird characters it, it, it's it's a little bit like uh twin peaksy but um and that yeah, it this feels one like especially yeah because it's like a you're like a weird mountain hotel or something right sure yeah yeah and it's like there's a little bit of like creepiness and it's kind of unsettling but it's also not a game about necessarily being creepy or unsettling it's about well yeah you remember the who's the like sunglasses dude who's staring at you from the balcony remember that oh yeah yeah the guy that kind of like stalks you around that was creepy but the game largely isn't totally about being creepy but it is a little bit about that uneasiness yeah Uh, but anyway yeah i norwood suite was probably number one on my list of of games that i really really enjoyed and um and uh, I'm really looking forward to the the follow up Cosmo D's next game, which is called Tales from Off Peak City. I'm not sure when it'll be out, but I do know that friend of the podcast uh, Julian Cordero uh, is is working with him on on that. He's uh, yeah, sort of helped yeah. him do a, 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 a photography in game photography feature. If you remember, we interviewed Julian about his game uh, Le yeah. Dad, which was a photography game. Uh, sort of virtual photography game so mm-hmm. he's used that know-how to to help cosmo on on uh, tales from off peak city and i am i cannot wait to to get my hands on that so yeah, yeah. um all right i will i'll do mine which i think is going to be our other overlap uh which is the last survey um yeah I, uh, so that's recently. actually one we don't have doubled up on but it's a little bit because really? i thought you would pick it so i, I just did it differently. okay sure <laughs> Sure. Uh, anyway, the last survey is sort of a, a narrative game. What we what we played was technically like a, a demo for the full game. Yeah. Which um, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, look look uh, forward to some some content on uh, on 
the last survey in the near future. <laughs> um, we've got some exciting stuff in the works, hopefully with that. But anyway, this was a game that um, f- sort of fit snugly into a sort of narrative game, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like visual novel-esque, but I guess there, there wasn't as much... Uh, like sort of characters interacting with one another as you might expect out of a visual novel, but it had a really nice style to it and the way it communicated everything and, and uh, moved from each subject to the next with these, these like sort of hand drawn images uh, bleeding into one another and sort of building this, this tale of, uh, of, of corporate greed and, and skepticism mm-hmm. and yeah. also uh, fear for our uh, planet's well-being uh, was <laughs> really compelling, and I'm I'm very excited to see where it goes in the in the full game. Uh, so I wanted to make sure we 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 talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I liked I I'm excited to see where the rest of that game goes. It was it was really interesting. Um, yeah. So the next one I had, this one might actually be one that we doubled up on as well, which was Shady Night. Damn. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, so I thought that was going to be the one that I liked that you didn't as much. Uh, no, I just wanted to shout it out because it had, um, we, we had talked about, uh, that, um, it's hard to do a, uh, first person melee game, uh, right for various reasons. Um, mm-hmm. so I just thought that this one, uh, had a, a promising, um, uh, it was promising in that way. And I just thought it needed to be shouted out. So what was your, what was your reasoning there? Yeah, I mean, I, I like you said, it's. I think we were both going in pretty skeptical of like, all right, first person sword fighting game. Here we go. And it also had has a pretty primitive art style where you're just kind of like these blocky guys. Yeah, but yeah. It, it 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 sort of bears out the the thing that a lot of game design professors will teach you, which is that uh, if it's not fun, if if you can't make uh, all of the uh, the good guys and bad guys like squares and circles and have it still be uh, enjoyable on some level, then you're probably not going to have an action game. That's all that compelling. Um, oh, is as that much something as, they say that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, yeah, I mean, so there there's kind of this, uh, well, for me in my capstone class, so it's, you go through this whole pitching phase and like going through deciding which games are going to get made. And then there's a prototyping phase and then there's a big pitch day. And part of the thing they told us was like, Hey guys, don't necessarily have a main character because uh, he's like, people will latch onto your main character for good or bad. And so you can end up making a bad game because you have a compelling character or you can make up or, uh, or because you have a compelling character in a bad game, or you can end up not getting to make a really good game because you have a, not that compelling character uh, plastered on really good mechanics. And so, um, uh, so leaving your main character as like a circle can sometimes be to your benefit as you develop yeah. what the game actually is um, yeah. from a gameplay perspective. And uh, and also it's just like satisfying, like jumping around, smacking. I had that thing where, where you're in the air and you and you jump down, you do that big overhead swing. And then also I'm kind of externally motivated by uh, looking at uh, the developer uh, Captain Psy or C or something like that yeah, um, on Twitter uh, is working on a sort of a full version of this game or it, maybe it, the game will end up having a different name but it's ba- building upon this game and yeah. uh, they put out little videos and GIFs and it looks so cool. <laughs> I'm very excited to, to uh, play whatever comes out of uh, uh, this game. So um, yeah. Yeah, I, I did not expect you to put Shady Night as well, but but yeah. I also did Shady Night. That so, was my third. So that so. was your third. Okay. Well, so yeah. my final one, uh, I just I picked Hangelum. 
just okay. be, just because I uh, it's another one that I I just um, uh, you know I, it 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 had a central idea that I just wanted to give another shout out to. I just liked the the use of pendulum swinging um, as a, a way of moving through a like puzzle space. Uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, I just thought that was interesting. Um, I liked it. I, I, I think there were some things that, um, uh, in execution are kind of are quite tricky about, uh, that mechanic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, I like that it was a, an original mechanic and it really stuck to its guns and, uh, like followed it to its logical conclusion. And I also was yeah. very satisfied. Uh, I, sometime after that episode, I watched some people playing it, um, like you know not quite speed runs speed but basically run, that yeah. and mm-hmm. man you can get really good at that like yeah uh, if you, i, I if do you, not doubt it if you know like roughly all of the the correct spots to be clicking they can like just zip right through some of those levels that took me forever to beat so sure. i i think that can often be the the sign of a tightly designed game so i uh sure i was uh just wanted to give that one a shout out so that was my yeah. that was my honorable mentions great well, with that, I think that we have we have uh, wrapped up the edgies. Why don't we? I'm gonna uh, go through and how about we take turns reading off the the categories and the winners one last time. Uh, right. Uh, in, okay. In, in so, summation. Um, lo-fi chill game to relax. Study two went to Islanders. Runners up. Uh, runners up. Uh, lo-fi ping pong and Kyoto explore Kyoto's red gates. Right. All right. For least game or best use of games for non-game ends. Uh, we had Licorice uh, taking the crown, uh, followed up by uh, Paint Andy, and again, Explore Kyoto's Red Gates. Um, for best use of an old school aesthetic, uh, the winner was Crossneak Plus, uh, and this very hard category, the two runners up were uh, The Interlude and Black Room. Yeah, and for most wholesome, uh, we have uh, Grace Brooksna presents The Haunted Island, a frog detective game. Uh, you got it right this time. And then uh, Ufil Delu uh, and Friend Gun trailing close behind. Uh, up next, we had Most Physics shenanigan- Shenaniganery, parentheses, <laughs> or Bergson uh, laughs at video games. Uh, the winner <laughs> for this category was uh, How to Be a Tree. Um, and then the two uh, honorable mentions were Spider-Man Ultimate Avenger and Kaiju Super Date Tech. And then finally, last but not least, uh, Juiciest Game. Uh, we had Wibbly Witches, and uh, taking up the rear were uh, Make It Juicy and Neon Boost. Uh, yeah, and that was, are we doing our, our three shortlists too? Uh, we can. It was, what was it? Norwood, Sweet, Last Survey, Shady Night, and... Um, Pangelum. Pangelum. Were our, were our, you know, games that didn't fit our categories, but were still good and, and, and worth uh, mm-hmm. giving a shout out. And if your game didn't get mentioned... That doesn't mean it it wasn't good. We played a, a lot of games. Yeah, we played literally so. fifty games, so it was a lot of a lot of games to go through. A yeah, lot to I get mean, through. just the sort of concluding thoughts to say is just like, you know, we started this uh, podcast with a, a little bit of you know, partially because we wanted to stay in touch, partially because uh, it seemed funny to like go through like all the strange things that are on itch.io, and partially, um, you know, the reason that sustains it that we wanted to you know do a podcast about game design and this sure. just like these award ceremonies it just always reminds me how like awesome it is the kind of stuff that people are are making you know usually for small to zero amounts of dollars 
Um, sure. And just that this much like creativity and like blood, sweat, tears, and love are going into games and we get to play them is super cool. Yeah. So Yeah, and the fact that we we get to come up with these like weird zany categories and that there's enough sort of uh creative material uh yeah th- that we can we can say you know best lo-fi chill game to relax study <laughs> to could be a category that is applicable to several games that we happen to play in in this year is uh is you know really cool so uh finally uh if you want to uh go ahead and follow us on twitter uh, we'll be doing our mega thread again, as I mentioned, yeah. uh, where we shout out all these creators again, and um, and you can follow us at Edgeguard Cast to see that, and then to also see when we shout out or when we give you links to all the games that we play before we play them, and uh, interact with the creators and and all that good stuff. Uh, and until then, we'll see you in another year uh, for the Edgies uh, Part Three. Uh, and we'll see you next week Electric for Boogaloo. another. Oh no! Yeah, for for another episode. Time? No, it's fine. <laughs> we'll see you uh, next week for another episode for a game which we have not decided yet, uh, but we'll tweet about it. And so follow us on Twitter, you you bums, and thank you for listening. <laughs>